What is up, guys? Today is episode three, and I'm here with a very special guest. I'm just going to let him introduce himself. My name is Tamon Hamlet. I'm a freshman at University of Houston. I am a native of Baltimore, Maryland, and I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. Yep. And two episodes in one day, because I'm just that good. So, Timon, tell us more about yourself. Like, what got you into politics and why you're a conservative? Well, honestly, I can't tell you what got me into politics. It's just one of those things that I've always been a part of since I was young. I remember when I was um, seven years old and I heard on the news that Barack Obama won the presidential race. I remember when I was 11 years old and I was trying to campaign for the mayor of Wilmington. His name was um, Mayor Williams. Sounds like a socialist. <laughs> Definitely. Um, at the time, I was a Democrat, but my dad was a registered Republican. He believed in... He believed in capitalism. He believed in pro-gun policies. He believed in, he was very pro-life. And so some of that knowledge passed on to me, which made me very independent. And as a result, um, I was very independent. I leaned third party. And oftentimes I, was, I would find myself signing with libertarians and independents until the 2016 election when I realized the Democrat party was really out to help no one at all but themselves. That's when I started to look at the Republican platform. The Republican platform was a platform that was willing to help middle-class workers, was willing to help uh, families who discuss uh, dinner table issues, such as um, wages, such as economics, such as the, um, the state of the economy, the state of their jobs, the future of their jobs. Um, the Republicans were putting themselves in the positions to be the... Um, the um, champions of the middle class workers. And so during the 2016 election, I would find myself identifying with Donald Trump, um, especially in the fact that he would rail against Hillary Clinton, who was an establishment Democrat. And to have someone to finally say the things that I was hoping to be said was, um, was very satisfying, so to speak. And um, it was say Donald Trump brought results to him. He brought economic policies that boomed the economy. He brought policies that would invest billions into urban environments. Donald Trump is not a candidate of words, he's a candidate of action. And that's what made me to bring him to support him as president. Yeah, all, all of that sounds good, especially the part. Can you just replay that part one more time where you were bashing Hillary Clinton? Because I think that needs to be emphasized. So Hillary Clinton never set well, set well with the black community, mainly because her husband uh, would pioneer a crime bill which arrested many, um, many African-American families. Um, she just never, she or her husband never did anything for the, uh, for the black community. And so what you see now during the times of protest of George Floyd, what you see now is Democrats breaking their bats to pander as much as possible. Um, but where were they five years ago? Where were they 10 years ago? They haven't done anything. So, you know, when you have, they see an opportunity to capture a Democratic when it's at its most vulnerable, um, and that's when they take it. And I see that as very deceiving. 
it's not honest. It's not true. It's like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. They have the cheeky rules. I mean, Absolutely. these Democrats are gold medalist gymnasts whenever it comes to bending over backwards to pander to the black community. You know, and, and the funny thing about this is, um, recently came out in the fact check that the um, the um, the um, the designs that they were wearing were representative of countries that approved of African American slavery. So that tells you how insensitive they are about the African American community. They support. They wear ashiki uh, coverings from countries that supported African American slavery. Yeah, because they themselves are of the party that supported African American slavery. So it makes sense. They're just following in the ghost footsteps of their ancestors mm-hmm. and their forefathers of their own party. But what do you think specifically Trump has done to? sort of mobilize the black vote and help the black community more so than George W. Bush and the previous Republican prep. Definitely. So Donald Trump is different from most Republicans. In fact, if you look at his, um, his base, it's kind of funny how, um, you know, they rail against uh, Mitt Romney, who was a 2012 um, presidential nominee. They rail against John McCain, who was a 28 nominee. And roll against George W. Bush, who was the Republican president. So you see a sort of divide between the Republican establishment over the past 20 or so years and the current Republican Party that we see now. Um, Donald Trump's accomplishments towards the black community is very significant in the fact that Republicans don't typically represent black communities. Mm-hmm. So to be a, re- a, a, a president, and to not directly control the um, the communities that they're in, most of the communities are controlled by uh, democratic governments, democratic mayors, democratic city councils, democratic uh, congressmen and women and senators, etc. Donald Trump has bought billion billions in urban development, uh, millions to HBCUs, which is specifically specifically important to me because most. All of my siblings go to HBCUs. All of them go to HBCUs. So he brings the he donates the most amount of money to HBCUs than any other president in history. And you know he brings lowest unemployment. He brings a booming economy. He brings opportunity zones from Senator Tim Scott. Um, this is a president, and recently he drafted a prison reform executive order that mm-hmm. where he sat and listened to victims of to families of victims who were to families who were victims of police brutality such as Ahmaud Arbery he sat and listened to their complaints and he drafted an executive order that was not too stringent and too dictator, uh, dictatorial like democratic bill um, but tried to directly attack um, the issue when it comes to the policing system, which has always been a conservative issue, right? So, what you see here, Donald Trump is by by far the most pro-black president we have ever seen in our recent American presidency. I completely agree with that, especially being a African American in the GOP. I'm not sensitive to race issues. I'm not blind to those issues. I get behind candidates, specifically like Donald Trump, that want to propel the black community. And it's not about having handouts. It's not about 
who's going to give us the most welfare and who's going to perpetuate the system where we continue have the victim mentality. It's about who's going to bring prosperity to a community that has been systematically disenfranchised, whether that be through government intervention or through other means. So I think Donald Trump as president and Donald Trump as the candidate, he's highlighted black issues in a way that I've never seen happen with any other the GOP has always been blind to these environments. They look at these communities, they look at these um these demographics, and they say, you know, what's our what's our problem? What's our trouble? We don't need to uh, to market to these uh, demographics. We can just ignore them completely, and it will be all be the same. Donald Trump is the first president to directly address these people, to listen to them, not just the uh, the um the pop artists, not just the rappers like Barack Obama did, mm-hmm. but to listen to African American leaders, to um, listen to economic leaders, to listen to educational leaders, and see what we can do to get done to make America as a whole for it. Yeah, and I was I was brought to the White House through the Young Black Leadership Summit. Barack Obama never invited me to the White House. George W. Bush never invited me to the White House. And it was Donald Trump, despite everything that was said about him, that he's a white nationalist, that he's a white supremacist, that he doesn't hate, he hates brown people. All of those things have been thrown out the window continuously. And he can keep, he keeps on fighting on despite all odds and despite all obstacles. And I think that's something we should all inspire from and all take to heart because this president is really in it for America. He's in it for what he thinks is the right thing. And that's so much more important than calling yourself and labeling yourself a Democrat or Republican or whatever the case may be. Because at the end of the day, we're all in this country together. We all share the same space. And regardless of your background, if you work hard, if you do the right thing, if you strive to become a better person, you will make it in this country and you will become whatever it is that you want to be. Definitely. This is the uh, country of opportunity for a reason, right? You know, um, I'm, I'm reminded of the story of an of a African-American patriot during the times of the Civil War. His name is Robert Smalls. From South Carolina, he was a slave who had a rebellious spirit. And during the Civil War, he was on board a Confederate ship and he gets the the, the ambition to steal the entire ship. He dressed up as a Confederate soldier and he takes control of the ship while the Confederate crew are disembarked and they go all the way to the Union waters where the Union, where the uh, Confederate ship was turned over to Union waters. This is the land of opportunity. Like Robert Smalls, who took the opportunity to promote freedom by fighting in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Even as a slave in the South, he tried to aid the Union in the Civil War. This is the one of opportunity where anyone can make it. Yeah. 
And let me just add, the opportunity exists, but you have to take it upon yourself to decide to capitalize on that opportunity that you've been awarded by the country. There's so many people who just sit around and think that there's no chance, there's no hope. They think that they're stuck in this, uh, this, uh, let's say, for example, uh, welfare. They think they're stuck in this welfare state where all they can do is accept money. They think they're stuck. They're stuck in this, um, um, the state where they're stuck at a job that pays minimum wage. When that's not true, they they if they stay at a minimum wage job for a while, they can move up to another job that pays higher, and they can um, prosper at that job. A lot of people are stuck in this mentality where they think they're stuck where they are. They don't actually have the initiative to grow, to grow as a person, to grow as a human, and take advantage of the opportunity that lies within our lands. Yeah, and that's another thing that seems to be commonplace because it's always the white man. It's always, you know, systematic injustice. It's always something that people that don't want to succeed find a way and an excuse. It's, you know, if only I had reparations, then I would be equal and then therefore I would be able to prosper. No, that, that's been disproven. People like my grandfather, he lived in one of the most racist times in American history, and he still found a way to become a successful man. And that's not, you know, a random occurrence. That's because he propelled the things that he wanted to do to make it happen, despite all obstacles. And I think that's what we're starting to miss as a country, that the, just a sense of pride, pride and your work, pride in yourself, pride in your values. And um, Tawan, you can also uh, comment on this as well, but I, it just seems to me that immigrants that come here value and embrace the concept of America more so than a lot of Native people. I would say so, yes. I would definitely say so. Yeah, You go to a, 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 a gas station, for example, you go to a gas station that's run by a um, immigrant, and they have American flags posted. I remember specifically. Um, I heard from accounts after nine eleven that every a every um, immigrant would hold American flags outside their business to pledge allegiance to the United States of America to say that no, I am not. I am not an enemy but I am one of you and we are all together as a country. And I think that's very, very beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And what do you think about the, just to touch on the um, Aubrey situation, mm-hmm. police brutality as a whole, and how you being a black conservative sort of plays into all of that? Definitely. So Maude Aubrey was an interesting case. Um, it, 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 it was a very um, poor example. So the defense that the Michaels used that was a um, citizen's arrest, right? That Ahmaud Arbery was a criminal. He was a suspect. And therefore, they had the right to arrest him. That is not a proper interpretation of citizen's arrest. Um, I would say that we need to look at things more from a a a policy standpoint, right? Why do we have a system that encourages vigilantism? 
Why do we have a system that encourages citizens to possibly harm other citizens, even though that the even though that the other citizen doesn't have due process? They don't have a right to a trial. They don't have a right to defend themselves, and yet they end up dead. Right. Mm-hmm. So. In general, I think we need to stop looking at this from a race perspective. We need to look at this from a policy perspective, right? There are so many policies in place that allow for these injustices for to happen. And if we get leaders in office to try to remove these practices, then I, I, I wager that we see a sharp decrease in a lot of these injustices, right? Mm-hmm. And... I think that's another thing that people sort of, they rely on the mainstream media for a lot of information on this case. And that's a very limited scope of what's actually going on. Because if you believe everything that CNN reported, you would think, for example, the young man in Georgia, that he was just sleeping in his car and there's nothing that happened in between. Definitely. That there, there was no chronological series of events that happened between point A and point B. Definitely. And I think, you know, you the the goal is to add fire to the narrative. Mm-hmm. It's not to find, you know, the the solutions that you were speaking about, the policies that yep. have been proposed that would actually help the issues. It's to only say that white privilege exists and therefore all white people are bad and therefore minorities need to continuously feed into this narrative and this this the same premise it's destroyed our community yeah well you know it's uh it's, it's very sad really you know there's such, democrats have such a law code on our media they're able to portray these situations as the injustices that they are um, Republicans don't really have a lock hole. They have Fox News, but Fox News, Fox News is really trying to be really independent. Mm-hmm. Um, Democrats have CNN, they have NSNBC, they have tons of media stations ready to propel any kind of narrative that they want. Um, and it's really sad, really, right? Because a lot of people are being manipulated into believing that, it, that these injustices are a racial issue. A racial issue is a distraction because if you say it's a racial issue, right, how do you come up with a solution? Mm -hmm. If these injustices were caused by policy, then that becomes more clear than the solution becomes clear that the answer is to um, undo the policy or, or enact better policy, right? Why paint it as a racist issue? Yeah, and the way that they present these issues makes it seem as if there's no viable solution, that America is just inherently racist, and that these actions are always going to be justified, despite the fact that no conservative that I know saw that videotape of George Floyd and decided that it wasn't immoral, that it wasn't a product of a corrupt cop. Not at all. Now, the difference is, is this a a symptom of institutionalized racism? There's no evidence of that whatsoever. 
-hmm. But because people are so sensitive and because people are so emotionally driven, the media plays on that and they use that opportunity to rile up people specifically before an election and notice that there's an important timeline. And it's just frustrating to see people buying into this narrative without actually looking into the fact that unarmed black men in this country very rarely get shot by police. Absolutely, yeah. In fact, you know, more white people get shot by police uh, fatality, uh, fatally than black people. Mm-hmm. People say, well, you know, white people are a bigger population than black people. Well, don't forget that um, African Americans commit a disproportionate amount of crime compared to their statistics to their uh, the population uh, to the United States. So even though they might be a, a smaller population, they still interact with the police roughly, very roughly the same uh, amount as the white people. So that's when the statistic really comes into play, right? So this is important, not to discredit the injustices, but to explain that this is not really a racist thing to say that it's a racial issue. It's really a red herring. Mm-hmm. It doesn't lead to any real solutions. If you take out the race issue and put it into a corruption issue, to put it into cops who power trip, who enjoy to to who enjoy the suffering of others, who incentivizing arresting others, when you put it into the a, a perspective of systematic uh, dictatorship from police officers, that's when the answer becomes more clear. And that's why I love, you know, seeing Republicans like Rand Paul trying to enact, try to ban... No um, not rates. Absolutely. Uh, no not rates. All nationwide. Now, if you look at the Democratic bill, the Democratic bill, that it's called the Justice and Policing Act, they try to ban no not rates but only through, only, only, uh, only due to, um, to drug cases, and they would they wouldn't exactly ban it. They would only threaten to take away federal funding to police officers if the state didn't ban it mm-hmm. or the county didn't ban it. And this is something that should be a bipartisan issue. Is mm-hmm. if if you think that the police forces, despite the fact that. In, in NYC specifically, minorities make up over 50% of the force. If you think that all of these injustices are a product or byproduct of inherent white supremacy on this country, then why would you not want to ban no-knock grades? It's almost as if they have a narrative, and the narrative is to lift up criminals and to dehumanize and demoralize people that are actually doing good in this community, which is our police officers. And that's not to say that obviously every single police officer isn't a good person. But at the end of the day, whenever you remove that pillar of the community, then things are going to run amok. And that's what we're seeing now. Now, um, do you, do you believe in the concept of white privilege or do you, is there anything you wanted to add on that front? Absolutely. So, you know, that's a pretty general question, but I'll say it very generally. Um, 
in the same way as we look at police issues, to say it's a racial thing is a bit of a, at least nowadays, is a bit of a red herring. So white privilege is the, um, at least how liberals describe it, it's the product of racist policies that were enacted decades and decades before. So if these if these privileges came about due to policies, why are we blaming it about race? Mm-hmm. Why can't we just get rid of the policies? For example, let's say, why can't we just get rid of redlining? And all of these liberal cities with um, Democratic Party role down the ballot, down the city council, we can just get rid of redlining. Um, so why are we saying it's a racial issue? To say it's a racial issue is a bit of a red herring. I would say it's more of a economic issue. People who are born with, born into more wealthy families than others, are obviously going to face a, uh, more advantages than people born into um, non-wealthy families. Yeah, and you know, it's hard to say whether or not you know. It's difficult to say whether or not people should get involved into that. You know, I I would say, you know, I, I would just say it's it's not a racial thing. White privilege is not a racial thing at all. We're looking at this Look. Everything that I have in my life, I've gotten because I've worked for it. Or my parents have been blessed enough to work for it as well. Or, and at the end of the day, there's no white person that's going to force you down and hold you back in life. It, what, it, it's, it's very sad that inequality exists in this country, but to try and cloud where that inequality comes from and blame it on a specific group and specific demographic of people is racist in and of itself. And I, I don't think that there's going to be any healing in this country if people continuously throw around words like white privilege, systematic racism, systemic racism, and anybody who tries to even challenge that gets labeled or racist themselves. Definitely. But um, is there anything that you wanted to add before we close off for tonight? You know, I just wouldn't say, you know, numerous polls and studies show that, um, you know, conservatism and minority groups and, and black minority groups and Hispanic minority groups have been uh, rising um, thanks to President Trump and his, his his stark difference compared to establishment Republicans. I think that's a really good thing. I think in the year 2020, the minority vote is, it, uh, across all races, the minority vote is going to surprise many people um, because people look at these demographics and they say, well, we're going to ignore these because we know exactly how they're going to vote. That's not true, mm-hmm. right? We can we can pretend that we know where how to how they're gonna vote, but we can also influence to try to spread information to them about to try to convince them to vote for other people, right? To let them know a lot of people don't know that there's other options out there besides Democrats. A lot of people just don't know that. 
So if we continue to spread information to try to influence people, to let them know that there are other options that have brought real results, I think there's an honest chance that, um, that the minority vote will surprise people in the 2020 election. And that's what Lexic is doing. We are bringing change through a different dynamic than what the Republican Party historically has offered to the Black community. Because a lot of people in the GOP that I've spoken with, that I've worked for, that I've been around, they think that the Black community is a lost cause. And that's simply not true. And we see it under Trump that it's not true as well. So the fact that people didn't want to outreach, that they didn't want to even, you know, offer the hand to have it be shaken by the black community and even see what do we have in common? How can we fight for those common causes together as a country with black leaders? And what can we do for, to help the community? Those are the questions Republicans should be asking. And I think those are the questions that the black community is ready, ready to answer. Absolutely. Especially in years as challenging as this one. We're going to see a lot of fire race. It's going to be really exciting. So I can't wait to see. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, my name is Tamon Hamlet. I'm a, a college Republican at University of Houston and interned for Wesley Hunt, running for Congress in Texas 7. Hope to see more of you all on board. And is there any other social media that you would like to plug? Sure. So my personal Instagram is at Tamon, T-A-M-O-N dot five four. And I run an Instagram account where all I do is shout out Republicans who run for office, particularly the uh, Congress, so we can retake the House of Representatives. It's called retake dot the dot house dot gop all right well thank you for your perspective i know a lot of people will be interested in hearing it um there's more black conservatives than you think um if if black conservatives weren't you know beaten down and um disregarded and you know trivialized by the left and bullied then a lot more would be outspoken but just realize that at the end of the day a lot of those values that we all cherish as americans the black community does as well so thank you guys for listening and this wraps up episode three